2017 is underway with a bunch of new movies coming this way. The Oscars are coming up. And one thing that a lot of people are talking about is some of the biggest flops of 2016, which my guest Daniel Ott and I got thinking about. What are some flops that did poorly that, uh, that deserve a second chance? And we'll uh, get into that more on episode 25 of the podcast. Cue the music. Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. As I said in the intro, I'm sitting down with a, a good friend of mine from back in college, Daniel Ott. How are you doing today, Daniel? Hello, hello. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you are, uh, you are out in La La Land now. I am. I'm living the La La Land dream. Not as much music, but just as much traffic. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, well, yeah, we are. We are. Uh, you, this is actually your idea for an episode where we find movies that uh, did really bad at the box office, but we think uh, aren't as bad as people make it out to be. Yeah, this this a lot of stuff. Um, I sort of understand maybe why it did poorly, but I'm kind of like I feel like these are worth worth your time. Yeah. So uh, before we get into that, let me get all the pluggy plugs out of the way. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes to the Entertainment Buffet podcast. Um, if you'd like to leave a review, uh, we'll read it on the podcast, good or bad. Give you a shout-out for leaving us that review. That would be great. Um, we also have a uh, kind of buddy podcast that is on the same RSS feed that comes out about every once a month, every other month or so, called Film Tweakers. Um if you don't have iTunes, if you're one of those Apple haters, we are on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, Blueberry. Try to make it available all the places I can find that are free. Um, another uh, friend of the show you can check out is Movie Trailer Trash, uh, the Brothers Marvel, and the Slobberknocker podcast. Those are some friends of the show's podcasts that talk about movies, comic books, and wrestling. Check those out as well. And one of the last things here is uh, check out Entertainment Buffet for some sketches and web shows and such. We have a bunch of new content coming your way in 2017. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or entertainmentbuffet.com. Um, and I guess one of the last things here, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at the pros, T-H-E-P-R-O-Z-E. And uh, Dan, are you, are you on Twitter? You'd like to throw out your Twitter handle? I am handle? on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is that Daniel Ott, and Ott is O-T-T. Yeah, so... A lot uh, of riveting content. <laughs> so follow, uh, follow Dan there. Um, do you have some uh, stuff you'd like to plug uh, real quick? Um, I, t- I don't I don't have there's some stuff in the oven but I don't have anything particular to plug uh, but it sounds like uh, you have like the whole entertainment spectrum on your stuff podcasts and videos and <laughs> plays and yes nice I'm, awesome. uh, I'm trying I'll, just pl- I'll replug you go look at everything Brandon said ignore um, me and maybe watch the expanse on the sci-fi channel because I'm really into it. <laughs> 
That's well, all I can offer. Thank you for that, Daniel. Uh, and if you want, you can actually check out. Uh, it's actually Dan was actually cast in our first ever sketch we did for Entertainment Movie. Oh Fair God! Called Doctor Doctor, <laughs> which it's so funny looking at. That was we filmed that back in 2012. <laughs> Which makes us seem so old now. We were children, yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh boy, Dan was hilarious in that, and uh, you should uh, check that out. Uh, one of the back <laughs> backlogs of sketches on Entertainment Buffet. But uh, yeah, before we get into some movie flops, we'll get our LOL out of the LOL of the week out of the way. And um, my LOL of the week is a meme that is a quote from uh, the show The Office that uh, I've been following this Twitter channel that just finds all the best quotes from The Office. And it, it almost makes me want to rewatch those first four seasons again because there are just so many quotable things. And uh, the quote is uh, Michael Scott, if I had a gun with two bullets and I was in a room with Hitler, Bin Laden, and Toby, I would shoot Toby twice. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, I love that he's so mean to Toby that he hates him worse than Hitler and Bin Laden. It, <laughs> I just, one of the one of my favorite comedies of all time, and uh, seeing that quote really made me flash back to when I saw that episode back, uh, God, like five, six, seven years now, like it's forever ago. I can't believe uh, that... Um Steve Carell never got an Emmy for that role. I feel like that's sort of like one of the most iconic comedy TV roles in the last ten years, and no Emmy love. Yeah, that was one. That was one of those every year that when he didn't get awarded, and they'd give it to like the dude from Big Bang Theory. I'm like, come on, yeah, really, Jim Parsons? He, yeah, like <laughs> how many years in a row does he get this? Yeah, seriously. But uh, Daniel, do you have yourself an LOL of the week? I think my favorite. Uh, stuff this week has been with the um, National Park Twitters getting uh, kind of cut down and blocked, or they're not allowed to post, and all these rogue accounts have happened <laughs> from these park people. Anything they're posting, and a lot of them, a lot of memes coming from that have been uh, Amy Poehler's character from Parks and Rec <laughs> as the person behind it, and so anything with that I've obsessively followed. I think it's great. Leslie great Note. Stuff. Leslie Note for 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes. that, yeah, that is awesome. So, uh, like I said before, Dan, uh, this was actually your uh, idea for an episode. So, uh, would you like to kick us off with? Uh, well, we don't have a precise number each, but uh, just we'll discuss a uh, hand, <laughs> handful of movies like uh, that did poorly in the box office, but uh, deserve a deserve another look. Yeah, I'll start with um, I'll start with the Lone Ranger. Which was a movie from I think oh, just 2015, I believe. Um, it had I believe it had a pretty high but like blockbuster scale budget, about like 225 million dollars, and only took in I think about 89 million domestically and wow. 171 foreign. So like it did uh, it like made back its budget, so to say, but they it's estimated that they lost like 190 million. Wow. And um, I sort of avoided it because I was kind of. Uh, not on the train of like you know blockbusters and Johnny Depp put sort of is kind of everywhere and yeah um, but I, I recently watched it and I, I kind of wish I had seen it back in theaters because it's sort of a great action movie I think that there's a lot of elements that are problematic in terms of like casting but it's sort of about um, Tonto's character he's kind of the main character in the Lone Ranger sort of a side character which I assume is uh, might cause a stir with some fans but. Um, I don't know, it has two of the 
best set pieces from a blockbuster in a while, including like a 15-minute train set piece that is glorious to behold. <laughs> um, I, I was trying to think, and I was kind of going through and thinking of reasons like specifically this would have flopped, and I sort of thought like uh, interest in Westerns has sort of waned, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of Westerns that come out. You get some like Django Unchained and like 310 to Yuma, but like you know, Westerns are on a weird peak. And um, Army Hammer is maybe untested. He's incredible on the social network, but has not really had a start in um, as a blockbuster character. Even though I think he's very charming. And that was actually a movie. The movie. I remember seeing the advertising. I was kind of hoping because yeah, I I saw the social social network in theaters. Mm-hmm. I thought he was really good. And when I heard like he was cast as the lead role, I'm like, oh, here's a guy who you know maybe this will be his kind of breakthrough to yeah. you know being a leading a leading role and. After it did poorly, like you've kind of seen him and stuff, but he has not really been given that chance again to be like that leading role. Yeah, he he's got a lot of charisma, and he I mean he's got you know the chiseled jaw of of a lead man, but I feel like he's I mean I don't know if it's in anyone in your list or not, but um, the man from Uncle was another movie that didn't do too hot, but he's very good in and like very interesting and clearly has a lot of. Um, potential, and I know there's a movie coming out this year. I think it's called um, uh, what is it, Free Fire yes. or something? I was yeah. I was gonna say that's something he's in has a big cast: uh, Killian Murphy. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, it's an incredible cast. Allison or not Brie Allison, Larson. Brie Larson. Yeah, and um, Chartel Copley or Copley is that how he's? Uh, Char- I want to say Charlito. But I'm probably wrong. Yeah. But I know who, yes, the guy from uh, District 9. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know. That movie looks great. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for that. But yeah, Lone Ranger, it's. I remember, I think the reason I didn't see it was because uh, Johnny Depp, like, it, it just looked like, like you said, like he was all over the place. It was like, what kind of weird outfit, hair, makeup combo can we throw Johnny Depp in now? Yeah. And I'm not a huge fan of, like, a lot of Tim Burton movies that Johnny Depp has been in. And I think at that time, it was just kind of like, oh, now now he's a, you know, now he's Tonto? Like, uh, yeah. I think that's what kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And uh, I don't know. It just, I forget what else. Uh, I think it came out in, like, uh, I was looking up uh, 2013 or so, but I think there was just maybe other movies at the time that I just wanted to see over it. And it wasn't yeah. that like, oh, God, that looks atrocious. It was just like, yeah, eh, I'll see how it does, and then I'll go see it. But then when I heard such yeah. a backlash towards it, I was like, oh, well, good thing I didn't spend you know $14 on sort of, a ticket. <laughs> it was sort of critic. It wasn't like critically received well so it kind of you know if you, if you kind of watch reviews for how to spend your money at the movies on a weekend and they were you know I think Despicable Me 2 was out that weekend and um, the Kevin Hart movie so it had a lot of competition and yeah it was sort of I, I understand why it was a flop but I, I sort of think it deserves a second uh, a second look it's a it's a nice rental <laughs> nice rental so it's something, also something like you would buy two and a half hours um I would probably say rent it first. Okay. I I personally picked it up. Uh, I was very much a fan, but it's a do. It's like two and a half hours. Oof. It's a doozy of a movie, um, <laughs> but almost worth it to have just to do like the two big set pieces and some of the comedy bits are good. And for a Disney movie, it's really dark. Like uh, there's a character who is killed and gets his heart uh, cut out and eaten, and I'm like, oh, okay, so this is the tone we're going for. <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a weird one, but it's interesting and I'm, it sort of sets itself up to have interesting sequels almost and I can't decide if I want that, but Yeah. Yeah. So uh like, so one uh so actually a few of my lists are actually from 2016. Uh okay. one that uh, I'll kind of bring up and uh, I know it'll be shocking at first, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Um, mm-hmm. I saw that, and if any of you have ever seen me do movie reviews on my Entertainment Buffet YouTube channel, I hated the 2014 uh, original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that came out. Uh, it was awful. Like They just really put Megan Fox front and center, and the turtles were almost side characters. And, like, growing up in the 90s, I was a huge Turtles fan. The animated cartoon, and uh, I had all the action figures. And so, like, that film really ticked me off. So then when the second one came out, I was like, you know what? I'll go see it because I've heard I've heard things that, like, they actually... They listened to all the gripes with the first one, which the big gripes were not enough Turtles. The tone was all over the place. They were trying to be dark but also kid-friendly. They... Uh, uh, like I said, the turtles were kind of neglected to the background, that, and then like it just wasn't as goofy as like the cartoon, and so they wanted some more animated villains and such instead of just like a stereotypical one. And so I go into the second one out of the shadows, and it did pretty much everything on the checklist I was looking for. The turtles were front and center. Megan <clears throat> Fox was kind of sent off to the side. Uh, the they brought in Bebop and Rocksteady, the, the warthog and the. Um, uh, rhino uh, mutant characters from the animated show so like it was goofy they picked the tone that they're like alright this is a kid friendly movie we're not gonna try to go dark you know the dark gritty reboot that everyone tries to do now and like it was actually kind of fun it uh, was that the best movie in the world like it still suffered from and this is something that could almost be a whole podcast in itself where and I know you and I have talked about it a lot which is big third act uh, set pieces. Oh, uh, yeah. And it suffered from that, that it was like, oh, there's a big cloud thing in the sky, and it's in New York, and everyone's trying to, you know. And yeah. like So, like, I, it is by no means a perfect film, but I think it is, like, night and day compared to the first one. It, uh, it knows the tone it's going for. It's like, all right, this is a kid's movie. This is fun. Writing was not the best thing in the world, but... That it was I I was laughing some of the times and the turtles like that was one of the few things that was good about the 2014 one was the turtles when they were given the time so when they put them front and center it was like okay this is more along the lines of what I'm looking for right, cool I, I I didn't see either of those I was a big Ninja Turtle fan in the 90s uh, especially the video games and so the trailer for the the first one didn't really catch my attention but the second trailer when they were bringing in kind of the classic villains, I was much more inclined. So maybe I will have to check it out. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like what you're saying with Lone Ranger. I wouldn't just go out and buy it, but I would, you know, red box it or rent it or borrow it from someone if they own it. And just, uh, you know, it's just take it with that. It's not, uh, it's not trying to exactly appeal to older audiences. It's mainly for kids and like maybe there, but there's also some nostalgia stuff from like our generation when they grew up yeah. on the turtles so I was pleasantly surprised that it was not awful again <laughs> <That's> not <laughs> well speaking of childhood things I don't know if you were a speed racer fan but my second choice was the speed racer movie <laughs> um, that the Wykowskis did and that was one that was a hard so when I first got a, a blu-ray player 
I was really in. I really liked that movie, and no one ever believed me. And <laughs> and it's like the perfect. It was kind of the perfect thing to like show off. Like you were like, why would you spend extra money on a Blu-ray than a DVD? And I was like, watch Speed Racer. It's nuts. It's the most beautiful movie. And that one was a weird one. A because you try and get you know convince friends. And like, no, it's good. It's good. And uh, no one would ever check it out. But <laughs> I sort of think it was a victim of kind of unclear marketing. Like Speed Racer is an older show, and it was on like Cartoon Network growing up. So like some of us um, watched it. But it's also like being advertised as like a new Wachowski movie, who have just come off The Matrix. So they're kind of <laughs> these R-rated directors who are now making a kids movie. But it's not clear if it's like a kids movie or like a gritty reboot. Or what? So it kind of got buried. I think I read that it lost about 115 million after wow. <laughs> everything. And it was pretty massive. There's a, there's a weird trend where they like to take kind of you know they want to make a movie people know or a remake and they dump 120 to 150 million dollars into it rather than keep it. So I I didn't go into just like um, info like that. I know you're a big Deadpool fan. And Deadpool was made on a cheaper end for a blockbuster, and it was kind of rewarded in that the the creators were crafty to make the movie that they wanted, and it paid off. They weren't you know overblown with this insane budget that they could never recoup. And I think that's sort of a trend that I'd like to see more. And I think Speed Racer was guilty uh, was a, a victim of that a huge budget with kind of unclear focus in marketing that ended it. Have you ever seen it? I have not, but I do remember, yeah. like you said, I watched it as a kid, and I think yeah. that was that was a big thing too. Was like you said, the unclear marketing. I, I saw commercials and trailers, and I'm just like, so is this the adult version? Yeah, is it a kids movie, but they're bringing it to life? Are they trying to be yeah. the campy, you know, Hanna Barbera or whatever like type yeah. cartoon? Like, I think that's why I, I just I didn't know. And then, like you said, you're yeah. looking. It's like, wait. This is what the guys, uh, the 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 team from the Matrix are doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's a weird movie in the best way. It's a very weird movie, and it's like very. It can be very true to the cartoon, and I I think it's weird and unique. Uh, yeah, so that that was my second choice. Interesting. So yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, I, I'll have to ask because now I'm interested to to give it a a watch if I see it on Amazon or something. Is it? Yeah trying to be like a kids movie is it trying to be campy yeah, it's, it's 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 a very campy definitely on the kids spectrum it's not like a gritty reboot it's goofy and a lot of you know younger humor but it is visually like just they no holds barred do whatever comes to their mind in regards to the visual elements and it's it's something else i, I imagine it's um, very trippy under certain circumstances. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, and I guess that's something. And like, I'll bring it up with a uh, another. <laughs> if you guys hear that, is my my dog being an attention whore and whining. Um, He's a speed racer fan. Yeah, <laughs> he heard speed racer. That marketing is a huge thing for a lot of these movies. Marketing can yeah. make or break. Um, and uh, here's one movie. It's another one from 2016 that uh, it had one of the weirdest reactions to a marketing campaign ever, and that's the 2016 Ghostbusters movie. Did you end up seeing it? I did see it, yes. And it was just so weird how this trailer came out. And I remember, like, I watched the trailer before I saw all the Twitter, Facebook reactions, and oh. the, I'm like, okay, that was... 
Not a great trailer, but, you know, I've seen worse. And then all of a sudden, I look on Facebook, Twitter, and everyone is just demolishing it. Like, it is just, they act like it is the worst thing that they've ever seen, and that, you know, if this movie's bad, it'll ruin the originals, which, like, that's one thing I never understood. I was like, how would it ruin a classic? You know, like, the classic's always there. And it was just so odd how this movie that is just, you know, a Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig comedy, you know, with Ghostbusters and Paul Feig's directing and, uh, like, I've liked most of his movies with Bridesmaids and I Spy that, like, it was just, uh, or just Spy, not I Spy. I Spy is with Owen Wilson and Eddie Murphy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That it was getting so much hate and then it caused all this controversy with, you know, like, feminism and, you know, like, uh, fem- females shouldn't be Ghostbusters, and yeah, there's a weird. Um, I feel like there's a weird kind of culture of people who have the things they grew up with, and they're very personal to them. They they there's a franchise, and they own it in their heart. And anytime something changes, it's like this personal attack, and they take to the <laughs> internet to attack, which is very strange. Because I like when I when the, when the controversy for Ghostbusters was starting I was like well no one's taking away Ghostbusters from you Ghostbusters <laughs> from the 80s is still there and you get it it's as it is you have the bad sequel too and so it's still there and like this isn't taking away it's just this new thing and it was weird because I was like okay you get Paul Feig who's made a bunch of very excellent comedies and four of the funniest women comedians working together in like an improv fest it just seems like a perfect setup and I was a little bit concerned. I was like, well, you know, comedy trailers are usually iffy because you've got to tell good jokes but not waste all the good jokes. And so they, the backlash from that, I was like, this is very strange and I think is much more deep-seated than perhaps some other uh, internal things with some of these angry folks than people who are like, this doesn't look good. Yeah. Like, mm. And and that's a great point. You say, like, with the... Uh with the trailers, and I remember Paul Feig actually came out and said, he's like, no one can edit my trailers because, like, there's so much improv that requires context. And so when you try to just pull the punchline out, it, like, he's like, the joke doesn't make sense, it comes off weird, and so, like, and I actually went and looked at, like, old trailers like Spy and Bridesmaids, and I was like, and I think uh, the other one he did, uh, The Heat, like, it was like, oh, yeah, that's true, like, a lot of his trailers aren't that good. But like yeah. then I remember watching the movie and it's like no these these are pretty funny so he he brought up a good point which is like it's hard to when you require say like thirty seconds of like setup for like these big jokes to be like oh you know here's the punchline and that's it and you're just like wait yeah. what so personally when I saw the movie. I don't think it was the best thing in the world, but I do not think it was the worst thing in the world. Like you said, it yeah. it doesn't hurt the classic eighties. No, nothing. Film. It yeah, it's very it's it's enjoyable. They're having a good time. Uh, Kate McKinnon is fantastic, and uh, Chris Hemsworth. It's worth it alone just to see his range. I kind of want him to be in more comedies. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it was just oh. it was a movie that like I feel like if it didn't have all that. You know, 
feminist and uh, you know the trailer controversy and all that stuff happened to it, it would have just yeah. done fine. You know, it wouldn't have been yeah. the biggest blockbuster of the summer, but it would have just been another comedy. But it got this all this hype and hate got built around it that it yeah. was just like there are people that are like, no, it's going to be amazing, and they're like defending yeah. it, and then there's other people <laughs> that are like, oh, I hate it, and I just to those people, I just want to be like, then just don't see it. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice opportunity when I was seeing. Um, men on my Facebook be like female Ghostbusters that's a no-no and I'm like oh great here's some people I can unfriend because <laughs> that's uh, that's an insane thing to say yeah oh yeah and especially it's like it's they're Ghostbusters they're not like yeah it's <laughs> it's something that doesn't exist yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah. uh, it's very odd that people <laughs> would yeah, say yeah. you can't do that you're, you're killing my childhood I'm like mm. We're Star Wars fans. We live through the prequels. Like we can survive anything. <laughs> so, uh, so what is uh, another film that uh, you think deserves uh, a second chance? My next, my next is, is a, kind of a combination. It's part of it's from last year. Part of it's from uh, a few years ago. But it's Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping uh, slash Hot Rod, which are both Andy Circus or Andy Circus, Andy Samberg vehicles. <laughs> Andy Circus in a um, mocap suit <laughs> as Andy Samberg. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd watch that too. <laughs> And they're both, um, you know, people, Sandberg, obviously famous from SNL, doing digital shorts. And so, like, Hot Rod was kind of a vehicle to get him into stardom and film that did decently and was kind of, or not kind of, it was critically panned, but it's sort of gotten a cult following. I saw it at a midnight showing here in L.A. once with a crowded audience that was very into it. Um, and then Popstar was their follow-up with The Lonely Island having written and directed it and starring in it. And it's, uh, you know, play at Justin Bieber's um, documentary movie that came out. And it did. We saw it opening weekend and were maybe the only people in the theater. And I was really surprised because I liked the tra- – I thought the trailer was funny. The people involved were funny. And um, just nothing did not do good. I think it's a movie that will pick up kind of a cult status. It's one I've seen a few times since, and every time I watch it, I think it's funnier because there's so much. Because it's it is a movie. It's not just a collection of. I think people kind of thought it'd be like a collection of, of skits that are funny, sort of like yeah, yeah it really makes sense. But there's a there's a story, there's a movie to it, and it's 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 really interesting. And the more you watch it, it kind of has all these hidden jokes that build on each other, and and I think if I think of why I think it flopped, I think it's sort of a demographic thing of like who was this for because there's a crowd our age and older that we didn't really grow up with Justin Bieber and that kind of aesthetic so we get it and like you know some people think that 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 pop stuff uh, is maybe annoying but then the younger people are also like kind of over that because there's new people so there was the audience for it was sort of had to have a nostalgia for it I guess which I don't think is required to enjoy it at all I think it's very good but yeah, it was a weird one, and I'm curious because you you haven't seen it. I've not, but it was one. Yeah, of the, I was curious if there was if there was any something that kind of you were like, oh, I think I'll, I'll pass on that. Yeah, and and I don't think there was anything that necessarily made me want to pass on it. I just remember it came out at a weird time in the summer. Like it kind yeah. of was like law, and that's why like it, it's kind of annoying that like all these blockbusters feel like they need to hit you know the May, June, July, August time period, and I think this is a film that. It would have benefited by coming out at a different point, like not necessarily like Christmas or something, but like maybe, yeah. maybe a March release, maybe uh, yeah, kind of a something that it would zone release, yeah, something that wouldn't have been caught 
in the shuffle with all these other big name movies and uh, I think that's why like you said when you went in theaters like no one really saw it because everyone was going to see the and I can be flubbing some of these release dates but they may have gone to see the new Star Trek movie or the uh, the new Jason Bourne movie or like maybe Captain America Civil War was still out and they were seeing that or an animated movie. It was probably when, like, Secret Life of Pets was out or Finding Dory. And so it's it's just so hard for, like, a small comedy like this to yeah. break out because Andy Samberg is a bigger name. Like, I, I think, like, his work on Brooklyn Nine-Nine is amazing, and that is a yeah. very underrated show, is... He wasn't a Will Ferrell or a Seth Rogen. Like, he doesn't have that big name quite yet. And I think once he gets that film that breaks him out into you know, the next big thing that like, he'll be able to have a movie like this because I, like you said, I've only heard good things about this movie. No one has said it was bad. So that's why it was like, once I heard that and like, it was out of theaters, I'm like, all right, I'm probably going to end up buying this, uh, because I've heard only good things. (laughs) And it was another one because it was pretty critically well. I think I read that it's on its release weekend. It was the highest rated movie release. But, again, I think the R rating could have hurt it, even if I think the R rating let them do exactly what they wanted to do and was absolutely appropriate. I imagine that the R audience they probably th- – that the studios probably thought it would get is, like, the teenagers and, you know, it's R so they couldn't get in. Yeah, I don't know. People yeah. should have seen it. Yeah. You still have a chance. Yeah. It's, it's never uh, too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a movie that I, I want to see and I – like you said, uh, maybe if the audience, if the studio would have known who the film should have been for, it would have helped it. Yeah. Um, and one film that uh, you actually brought up way towards the beginning of the podcast, or I believe it was before we were, possibly when we were recording, but uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That is a... Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that is a movie that, quite frankly, I remember seeing the title and commercials for like I remember very little about the movie but all of a sudden like years later I heard all these friends saying like you gotta see Kiss Kiss Bang Bang you gotta see Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and I see it and it was hilarious uh Shane Black is a brilliant writer director um I think this was his one of his first directional movies like he's done a lot of writing in the 80s yeah this is his debut for directing and robert downey jr it was kind of like everyone says you know like iron man put him back on the map but i think this was a movie that kind of a couple years before iron man it was just like no no you gotta robert downey jr is still talented and the chemistry with val kilmer was so surprising yeah and kilmer is a standout he's very comedically gifted yeah and that's a movie that like I wish more people have seen and yeah it just it was one of those movies that just kind of fell under the radar uh, yeah. it because uh, it wasn't it's in this weird middle ground where it wasn't a full-on comedy but it wasn't a full-on action movie so maybe audiences were just like I don't understand what this is and it's just like no like yeah. this probably belongs in the same realm as like when you used to see Rush Hour or Shanghai yeah. Noon and Shanghai Nights but it you know it doesn't have Jackie Chan but <laughs> like it's also Shane Black is a writer it's also a movie that um, doesn't always have punchline jokes a lot of them are situational and if you don't pay attention things move so fast in the dialogue and the setup that you miss a joke laughing at another joke that then doesn't make the next joke make sense. So it's sort of this movie that has to be taken in multiple times. 
And that was a big one. I actually, that was, I was fortunate enough to see that in theaters. Um, cause I was, my, I grew up, my, my dad, my parents aren't big movie people. My dad loves Lethal Weapon. <laughs> and so when they were advertising that, it was Lethal Weapon writer making a movie. And so he was in for that. And I didn't know Robert Downey Jr. at the time. I didn't know. I mean, I knew Val Kilmer from Batman. Uh, and seeing that was kind of eye-opening. I think I was 15 uh, with my dad. And I was like, oh, this people can talk like that, that speed. That's nice. I like how that they talk. I like how they sound. And I like that jokes, the jokes in the movie are funny, but they're not like... Uh, or the movie's funny, but it's not just jokes like a normal comedy. It's sort of just written in a way that I, is humorous, which when I was younger was new to me. That was very cool. Yeah. And uh, that dark comedy, like, towing that dark comedy line, uh, yeah. like, uh, like I'll just say, like, one little part that I remember really stood out for me was, like, Robert Downey Jr. is trying to talk with, like, this one character that's sort of, like, his love interest, and she slams the door, and it cuts off his finger. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, that is something that, like... You know, they would do in other movies as like maybe like a like a, a dream sequence where they're like all of a sudden like yeah. oh, oh thank God my finger's okay but it's like nope they just straight up <laughs> Shane Black just straight well, up took his finger becomes, out. There's like several jokes about it later where it gets like a re it gets reattached and re ripped off <laughs> and then a dog eats it. It's like it becomes weird insequential thing that happens becomes like a punchline throughout the movie that's progressively funnier. Yeah, and and it sort of ties in. I don't know if you were going to bring it up, but it sort of ties in with Shane Black's follow up, which from last year, which was the Nice Guys. Yep, I was going to bring that up at some point. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of the same type of thing where I think the trailers for the Nice Guys are incredible. Yes, um, I was very surprised with. The I mean the reception to Nice Guys was fantastic, but the box office number and I I, I thought that was going to be a knockout. Ryan Gosling, Ru- um, I guess Russell Crowe come out after yeah. If it, maybe if it would have come out after all of this award season buzz for La La Land, but I thought that was just like going to be an instant classic. And now I think it's I mean to me it's I one of my favorite movies of the year. I think it'll become an instant. It was an instant kind of cult classic that's got overlooked somehow, even though I thought it was going to be a, a big old. A monster. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, last episode of the podcast when we brought up like award season, uh, <laughs> my uh, my friend Josh Shibley brought. He's like, "Do you like work for the people who made Nice Guys? Because you were constantly <laughs> pushing people to see it." And I was like, "I even yeah. wrote an article online that like three reasons why you should see it." And and it yeah. wasn't just because it was Shane Black and it was so good, but it was because it's like guys. Even though it looks like just like a buddy comedy movie, you know, like which yeah. it is, like it still is original. And like I was encouraging yeah. people to see it, and like why I should have maybe seen Pop Star and encouraged more people to see that is in this age where there's so many movies based on previous IPs or remakes and uh, reboots and sequels that like you should go support a movie like Nice Guys because if we don't financially support it, studios are going to just straight up stop making yeah. them. And, and it's specifically with the Nice Guys, like, I want more. Like, they... That that duo and those types of stories are kind of, you know, infinite, so a sequel to that is an easy movie, and I, I hope it does well enough on kind of home video releases to get, because I'd love to see him come back to that return to Nice Guys. Yeah, and I even brought up some people, I think Ryan Gosling deserved more praise, I haven't seen La La Land, like, praise for that than uh, La La Land, because that was a character that 
I thought it was just, like you said, it was going to be like fun, dark comedy, you know, entertaining. But no, like he brought so much depth to that role. And like yeah. Shane Black wrote that part so that it's like, oh, wait, you know, and there's kind of like a twist where you find out why he's, you know, a drunk idiot, you know, yeah. and but he's not an idiot. And like, it's like, oh, this he's like a very tragic character yeah and yeah i, I kind of look at all of the awards buzz he's getting as for la la land but then also is is giving him for nice guys yeah so. it's like a year you did you had a good year <laughs> you take this. yeah that's how i look at it so that's and it's funny you say it's one of your favorite of the year it's it is my favorite of the year um yeah. there are still some movies i have to see from 2016 but that just I was cracking up in theaters, and like you said, the trailers are even good. So that's why it was so surprising yeah. that it didn't do a little better. But then again, all these big monster you know, sequels, superhero movies, yeah. animated movies, people are just going to flock to what they know opposed to what they're not sure of. But yeah. Um, So yeah, that's a, that's a great movie. Um, another one I wanted to bring up, uh, Edge of Tomorrow was a movie oh, yes. that it did Fantastic. not do well at all. And I, yeah. it was another, <laughs> so many of these are marketing problems. And what's funny is like, that's not the filmmaker's fault. That is a whole department of people that are handling trailers and handling ads and, you know, billboards, you know, all this stuff is like edge of tomorrow. It just looked like another Tom Cruise, you know, war of the worlds type thing that I'm like, Oh yeah. Tom Cruise running again, you know, <laughs> like, do I really? He's very good at running. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to get an honorary Oscar down the line for his running. Um, he just, I don't know. Like it just didn't appeal to me when I saw those ads. Cause I was like, Oh cool. You know, it looks like they're trying to do like him in a video game. Like, yeah. but then all of a sudden everyone's like, no, you need to see this. It is awesome. And then it, like, had these weird things where, like, they didn't know how to market it, where it's, like, they then changed, like, the DVD to, like, Live, Die, Repeat, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow. Which I think is a better name. Live, Die, Repeat. Edge of Tomorrow kind of sounds like an anime. Yeah. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat sounds like, uh, like a heavy metal movie. Yeah. And so that is a movie that I think if it was marketed well, it could be, like you said with, like, Nice Guys, it could set up... Maybe not necessarily, like, based on what happens in the film, but, like, sequels, but just, like, yeah. maybe inspire more movies to strive to be like that, where it's original, but it's, you know, elements that we like from, you know, video games or other sci-fi yeah. movies. And so, so I sort of think Tom Cruise and sci-fi movies are, like, a match made in heaven. I'm a, like, Minority Report, War of the Worlds, the man gets sci-fi. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. It was marketed strangely and... I was happy the the writer I believe the director too is the guy who ended up coming back to work with Cruz to do uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation which was also fantastic so it's kind of nice to see them get a re-team and make something that was more a bigger uh, success so that he can keep creating interesting stuff yeah and like you said uh, you know Live Die Repeat just makes like so much more sense for the title and it, I bet if more yeah. people saw that advertised they'd be like oh what's that whereas like Edge yeah. of Tomorrow just feels so average it's kind of like, you know, like a, it's like a fan, it sounds like a fantasy novel kind of it just yeah. feels kind of yeah forgettable like it just it sounds even like, if the movie is anything but oh yeah and that, that that is a movie that and it's funny like there's even like uh, kind of like you were saying like Speed Racer like I have friends 
or like I'm like you got to see it, and they're like, eh, no. I'm like, no, like trust me, <laughs> like it is great. Like I know that it's like you see Tom Cruise, but like even just watch it for like Emily Blunt alone. Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, cool. do you have any more before uh, I know we want to finish on one that we both love? Uh, I, I think I think we should. Um, I was. I'll list a few others that I think that I won't get into, so we can get to the the real meat, the one I want to talk to. Some other <laughs> ones I listed uh, of flops that I enjoyed were Tomorrowland, which is the George Clooney and Brad uh, Bird movie, which kind of had some weird marketing and it had some some tonal problems as a film, but I I thought it was very interesting. Uh, John Carter, the sci-fi vehicle they tried a few years ago. Um, which I just watched the other day. Um, I've been kind of going through flops. I've been expired. John Carter, <laughs> they should the original title was John Carter of Mars, which I think is a better title to kind of sell that it's a sci-fi movie. I don't think it's a great movie necessarily, but it does a lot of really fun things. and has a lot of great uh, comedic beats to it, and it was clearly setting up a franchise. But um, it sort of takes, because John Carter originally was a, a book that's inspired a ton of sci-fi. It's very, a lot of sci-fi pulls from it and it has like a very avatar look to it, but sort of has the fun avatar doesn't. Um, and then from last year, I was going to mention uh, Kubo and the two strings, which was a favorite of mine that didn't do too hot and Pete's dragon, which was, I thought one of the best Disney live action movies from the last few years that got very overlooked. And that was an indie director coming in and getting to make a blockbuster that had a lot of heart. Um, yeah. Those are my other ones before we get to the... Nice, yeah. The king, the king. So, yeah, the, the king of this. Um, and uh, and we don't want to overhype this movie, but, like, I'll just personally <laughs> say that it is in uh, way back, second episode of the podcast, we did our top ten favorite movies. This movie is in my top ten favorite movies, Scott Pilgrim vs. Uh-huh. the World, directed by Edgar Wright. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> That's it. It's the podcast. It's just yeah, the best. The podcast are... Ed- Edgar Wright's one of my favorite filmmakers. I think he's one of the most interesting filmmakers working uh, today. And Scott Pilgrim is a comic series, and the movie takes draws from the comic series, sometimes from different frames, and sort of shift things in the end. And uh, it's it's truly unique. It is just a culmination of everything, especially as like geeks love. And yeah, sorry, I'm just yeah. talking now. Yeah. No, no, no. Like that is, and it's <laughs> and it's kind of like a a theme of all these movies we brought up, which is uh, the marketing was not yeah. good for this movie. Uh, did you end up seeing it in theaters? I did. I I had not read the comic at that point, but I was obsessed with Edgar Wright, so it was an uh, instant for me. Okay, so like I. I had still not quite seen... Uh, I think I had seen maybe Shaun of the Dead, but I don't think I had seen Hot Fuzz or anything yet oh. of Edgar Wright. And I just remember seeing advertising for this movie with, like... I was like, what is Michael Sarah Like, and it just, like... Yeah. It's a rom-com? Like, I was confused. I didn't know what the, what it was. And I, I, like you said, I hadn't read the comic series, and so I didn't know what to really take from it. And so I just, and that was also, I think it had the the problem, like, that was a summer, uh, just came out was uh, things like Iron Man 2, which wasn't that good, but uh, Inception was a big one that summer. Toy Story 3, like, it had a lot of stuff that summer. It's kind of like why people may have flocked to those movies and not necessarily seen this one. 
Yeah, and Michael Sarah was sort of in because they shot this before a few Michael Sarah movies, but it sort of was in that stage where he had done a bunch of movies that like Year One and um, uh, Youth and Revolt, which I, I did like Youth and Revolt, but it was sort of like people were kind of burnt out on Michael Sarah. Yeah. So this kind of his shtick, they were like, I'm, you know, done. And I feel like that kind of, um, that it suffered for that. Mm-hmm. Now it's weird to look back at it now because <clears throat> it's just, it's packed full of people who are very famous now, like Brie Larson, Chris Evans, um, Brendan Routh, Ruth, I'm going to say his name wrong. Um, it's, and uh, Thomas Aubrey Jane Plaza, and, Anna Kendrick. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's insane, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if you put that movie out now, it would look like it was just filled with cameos to get an audience. But back then, it's sort of, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it blends styles of you know romantic comedy, comedy, action, video game together so seamlessly and effectively that it's sort of it's it's kind of hard to explain. You really need to see it. It from from an editing perspective alone, it's the most interesting. The way that scenes transition and use comic book style onomatopoeia lettering or these match cuts where you're in a conversation and you move to another conversation but you haven't realized that you've changed locations. It's sort of just kind of a fascinating, like, uh, from a film school look at, at, a, at a very unique movie in its in its creation. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a movie and... Uh, an old friend at the time kept saying, like, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it, and then he, like, I finally borrowed it on DVD. I remember the first time I watched it, I'm like, okay, this was fun, but then I actually ended up uh, buying it myself, and when I watched it, like, the second and the third, and, like, you know, I also, like, every time I watched it, I grew to appreciate it more, because, like you said, yeah. all the details that go into it, the fact that it's, like... To me, it's like the best video game movie made that was not a video game. You know, like yeah. <laughs> it, uh, all the performances, the the snappy dialogue, like the little things that uh, they throw in there, and that they kind of I don't know, like they juggle so much. Um, it's just like you said. It's I feel like if this were to come out now, it would have way more of a, you know, like which with our nostalgia generation from the 90s yeah. like if they were to said like you know like go towards these people with the marketing don't try to make it like a rom-com go towards yeah and you know it would have had a bigger hit and also now like comic book movies are just so much more you know prevalent even though this isn't a full-on superhero movie or anything like that but it is yeah like i i have it on number six of my top 10 movies because Every time yeah. I watch it, I get something more out of it. That, yeah, that's that's sort of the beauty of of Edgar Wright's filmography is that every rewatch is is new because he hides so many details and setups that you don't realize are setups until you rewatch it. And you're like, oh, that's which I think is you know very gifted filmmaker to pull that off. And it is. I've never I had never really seen anything like it. And I don't think anything's ever. Uh, I don't know how much has tried to mimic it, but I don't know much success because it handles tone shifts and I don't know the it the it's it plays. I feel like with nostalgia and um, winks at kind of things, it, it plays with them and it it sort of has this makes them overt. It's it's a wink like you know the fight a fight starts and this is like ready go and just like the camera placement of the people is like clearly a fighting game and they have this and it. 
it, if, if you know that, it works for you. If you don't, it's just kind of clever. And I think that the line that walks with a lot of the visual effects and cinematography is... I could, I could just go on and on about it. Yeah, like, there's there's a big reason why... And I remember, like, reading uh, people like Tarantino and Kevin Smith and, like, all these other filmmakers yeah. are like, this is a great movie. Why aren't people seeing this? <laughs> yeah. And, like, it made me... Like, uh, want to go back and watch all of Edgar Wright's movies, and that's where you know I really enjoyed Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and you know The World's End and like, like you said, the way he executes transitions and like there are video essays about this guys about how he makes every visual thing matter and like it's just so crazy. And nothing's wasted. Oh, nothing. Like the he'll make. Just a like you said, a transition from one scene to another, that's a joke. It's like what? Usually it's yeah. just the camera cuts and it's an edit. Yeah. And no, like he'll do a like you said, there there two characters are walking and talking, the camera placement's the same, and then it hops to all of a sudden, oh wait, they're in a new location, but they're continuing that conversation. Like it's just so Yeah. yeah it's Yeah, he sort of he sort of makes a movie in between the lines of Things that are overlooked in a movie that are standard, like, oh, characters have to travel, we need to see where they're traveling. Edgar Wright sort of infuses, like, what else can I add to this to get more out of this than just, oh, we're now we're in a car going to New York. It's There's elements that I think he thinks about, and Scott Pilgrim takes full advantage of with the style that it's presented with. If you couldn't tell, we love this movie, and if you haven't yes. seen it, <laughs> stop what you're doing, pause this podcast, go see it. Come back and listen yeah. to the rest of it. If you listen to this podcast and you're like, I only have time in life for one movie that they talk about, make it this one. Yes, yes. Out of all the no. movies we've said, this is definitely one that... And even if you are a little iffy the first time you watch it, like just watch it again, and it's one of the few movies, like you said, you'll notice something new every time. Yeah. I feel like in you know five, ten years, we've already gotten some, but more so. We're going to get a lot of essays about how is this overlooked and why it's important and gotta be in the know gotta be in the know (laughs) yeah Yeah. so uh, we'll uh, move on to our last segment of the podcast which is the I hate people and um, (laughs) yeah it's uh, just a chance for us to vent about something mine uh, this week is uh, believe it or not is not work related it is uh, just um, some flaky people um, that uh, flaky biscuits (laughs) Uh, there's just some certain individuals that uh, we're gonna we were gonna collaborate with for Entertainment Buffet who felt the need to you know like oh yeah we'll work on this and you know we're all inspired to do all these different projects and then all of a sudden they just like stop responding and then before you know it, I'm like hey it's been like three months since I've heard from them <laughs> I guess they don't want to collaborate and it's just it's just I feel like it's such a our generation with like texting like it's one thing to like text someone and then you get back to a few days like oh i'm sorry i just totally forgot to get back to you but like someone who just like doesn't respond at all and like it's not quite ghosting but it's kind of just like you know it's the easiest time in history to contact each other and it's also the most we hide (laughs) and i hope i hope this isn't a subtweet of me but yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh so that's my thing it's just flaky people like 
if you want to commit to something, commit to it. If you don't, just straight up say like, you know what? Um, I, yeah. I'm not really feeling working on this project. It's like cool, great. Yeah, uh, it's like people we'll, they don't want to offend you, but rather than say, oh, I don't want to do that right now, they're like, I just won't talk to him for months, which is like more offensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, um, um, what is? Uh, do you have yourself and I hate people, Dan? Uh, I'll do my hate people, which is probably a little too easy for Los Angeles, uh, but with La La Land coming out and you've now experienced the, the traffic song. Uh, traffic this week has been atrocious. My commute is about maybe 10 miles and it ranges from 50 minutes to two hours. And <laughs> I have grown, I mean, podcast and audiobooks and music are a lifesaver and I cherish the time alone in my vehicle staring ahead <laughs> angrily at a sea of brake lights. But, um, there's this weird thing. So there's like, there's things, LA doesn't have good left turns and so there's a lot of, which is one bad thing, but there's a lot of things where, like, you're going to get on the highway, and it's a turn. You go through a light, and you're going to fear off to the right. But what people will do is they'll be in the left lane, and they'll fire ahead of the line and then sneak their way in at the top, and then it holds everyone back. God, yeah. And I would love just, you know, a tire pop, just something to really put a damper on their day like they're dampening my day sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no. And Nothing I- violent. Just a small retribution I can drive by and be like, yeah. This is good. <laughs> that's it. Not too original, but something that's been no, I, especially annoying this week. I can definitely relate. I know Chicago <laughs> traffic is not as bad as L.A. traffic, but it is, yeah, it is. That is where you see, like, people truly be, like, the their worst selves. And <laughs> You see who they really are. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, everyone, it's like everyone is so selfish in traffic. And yeah. you'll like you'll very rarely get the person that'll like let you in, and then you you have that little exchange where you like you do the wave, and you're like thank you, and they're yes. just like you're welcome, you know. And it's like that is so minimal compared to all the times with the oh like what the fuck is this guy doing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'm yeah. just I'm shouting at no one. What I always like to do at the I hate people is uh take a nice breathe in, and then I breathe out. <sighs> Fuck people. Yeah. Medi- meditate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feels good. Feels good. It feels very good. Well, uh, Daniel, it was a pleasure to have you on this podcast, sir. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll, it was great talking with you. We'll definitely have to have you on again soon. We, uh, I know we came up with a bunch of topics just to talk about, and maybe yeah. have you on the, the Film Tweakers podcast. We can tweak some movies. Um, Absolutely. But... Uh, yeah, if um, stay uh, stay on the lookout. Uh, I'm sure once uh, Dan announces some of his web shows and projects coming, uh, we'll be sharing that as well. But uh, anything else you'd like to plug, like your Twitter or anything, Dan? Uh, my Twitter is that Daniel Ott. My Instagram is Daniel Ott. Uh, my Google Plus circles, I think, is Daniel <laughs> Ott. I'd love some more friends there, please. <laughs> I keep forgetting that's a thing. I think the world forgot it. (laughs) I think that's all. Uh, Yeah, I have some. There's some stuff that uh, next time I'll plug that I can't talk about yet. Sounds good. Please rate, review, subscribe. Give leave us a review here on iTunes if that's where you listen to us. If you aren't uh, listening on iTunes um, or you're looking for another place you can listen to us, that's maybe easier for you. Check us out on Podbean, Stitcher. 
Blueberry, Google Play, like anywhere you can uh, usually find podcasts, we are available there. Please also check us out on entertainmentbuffet.com. That's where we'll also have updates on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these new content coming in 2017. We have a new sketch series called Akbot coming out your way. We have original one-off sketches, tons of uh, new potential series with various other comedic talents out there, guys. So please... Check us out there. One new thing that we have coming to the Chicago area, if you happen to live in the Chicago area in 2017, hopefully this summer, we are producing our first ever original play. So be on a look for that. Uh, We're going to be launching a Kickstarter for that soon. So um, stay tuned for more updates on that. We are also going to be having a live read of the play coming up hopefully the first weekend in March. Dates are still being locked down as we speak, but updates on that will be coming out soon. And you can follow me on Twitter at The Pros, T-H-E-P-R-O-Z-E, and uh, Entertain Buffet on Twitter, at Entertain Buffet. Well, uh, again, it's been a pleasure, and um, we'll uh, we'll have to see what movies come out this year that uh, will end up being a flop that we think people will... (laughs) Need to give it a second chance, but um, right on. Yeah, please comment below if there's any movies you guys think we missed that uh, did not do well that we think we should view again. Because uh, I think if we came up with a good list. These are some movies that uh, you haven't seen, I haven't seen, and I would love to give some of these a view, and maybe we could do a follow-up podcast. Like, oh, I see what you were saying. Yeah, sounds good. All right, all right, man. Well, thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks again for listening to episode 25 of the podcast, coming on one year old almost, guys. Can you believe it?